Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning. Good morning. Oh, boy, you sound good. Let's do it one more time. Good morning. Good morning. Woo, I think spring finally came to Wisconsin this week. Uh, so, somebody said summer too. Yeah, it doesn't have to be summer quite yet, but uh, it felt like it yesterday for sure. Uh, it's great having you here this morning. One combined service today. Super excited about that. My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Assembly. We're so thrilled to have you here today. Uh, if you're a guest with us, welcome. Uh, before you leave service today, if you'd stop out, stop out at the round table in our foyer, we've got a couple gifts we'd like to give you. We'd also just like to connect with you, be able to answer any questions that you might have and get to know you a little bit. If you're visiting us online today, welcome. You can find out more information about our church at hillsideassembly.org. Uh, tithing today, we're not passing an offering plate. We do have a giving box in our foyer. You can give before or after service. Uh, so make sure that you take advantage of that. A couple of announcements, and then we're going to get ready to roll into worship today. Uh, a couple things. Today, obviously, big change. Coming back to one service at 10 a.m., excited about that. And the next changes are on the horizon. On May 23rd, we have two things that will be changing. One is Kids Connect will go live here in the building. Super excited about that. Miss Jackie is ready to roll. And then masks become optional on May 23rd as well. You can make the decision what you want to do there, uh, except for one location in our building. Uh, in, on Sunday mornings in our overflow room, we would ask that you do wear masks in there. We have some people with some low immune systems that would still like to be able to participate in service in there, and so we are asking you to wear masks. So if you want to go and sit with someone in that room, we do ask that you wear masks in there, uh, but everywhere else it's optional. Uh, we're still looking for nursery help. Uh, I think we're a quarter of the way there, but we're looking for 12 volunteers who'd be willing to say, hey, I'm willing to serve once, uh, once a month in the nursery on Sunday mornings. Uh, if you would be willing to do that, or if you have questions, contact us later today, and there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer if you're interested in serving, or you can send Hannah an email uh, later this week. And uh, excited that we're just 12 days away from our outdoor worship night on May 14th at 7 p.m. All right, well, there are two people that are excited about this besides the past. There we go. There's some more excitement. It's going to be a great night. Uh, we've got several different worship teams lined up. We're going to have a great night seeking God. I'm going to share a short message that night. We're going to have an incredible time of prayer. I believe God's going to move uh, in our community on the 14th, so I hope you'll come out and be a part of it that night. We'll talk next week uh, about some things that you can do to help us out with that. And we do have invitations available today uh, for the 14th. Uh, you may have gotten one when you came into the service. If not, make sure you grab one on your way out. Invite somebody to come on the 14th. We have a digital invitation as well available on our YouTube channel that you can use and send that out via email. Uh, other things that are upcoming, we've got prayer here at the church on Wednesday night. God's doing some great things. In fact, on Wednesday night, we had a testimony of a miraculous healing that took place in our church, uh, and we'll be sharing that with you on a Sunday morning here in the near future. Uh, but God is moving in powerful ways, and it's because we're praying. And so I want to encourage you to keep praying, and of course, get out there and do the prayer and praise miles. We talked about this on Wednesday, but it's so important because, listen, when we go out and we pray and we praise God in our community, it's just not us who get changed and transformed. 
In Acts chapter 16, we see a few guys that are on a ministry trip. They're doing the things that God asked them to do. They're thrown in jail. And in midnight, they are praying and praising. And what happens? The jail cells, door, the doors open, chains fall off. But it wasn't just the people who were praying. It was every person in the prison. Our community needs us to be doing the groundwork for God to move in their lives. So please, take prayer and praise miles seriously. God wants to do great things. Well, it is the first Sunday of the month, and we like to talk a little bit about missions. And while we were in the pandemic and outside, you might remember that we sent Jeb on a world tour to visit some of our ministry partners. Well, this morning, we'd like to show you the first episode in Jeb's world tour as he visited some of our ministry partners in Spain. So let's see what Jeb has to say. Hola, mate. I'm a web. That means hi. My name's Jeb. This is Jeb, and welcome to our first episode of Jeb's World Tour. It is amazing over here. I mean, look at this city. There's, there's so much color, and, and there's so much culture. And the people are amazing. And don't even get me started on the food. It is to die for. It is so good. I've been having a blast over here, getting to know some of our ministry partners, Mark and Heather McKinstry. In fact, I'll put a video together here for you to tell you a little bit about their ministry and their church. So hey, let's vamos! That means let's go! Hi, we're Mark and Heather McKinstry, and we're missionaries to Spain. Hey guys, it's great to be a part of Jeb's World Tour. Uh, we love you guys. We thank you for how you stand with us. Uh, yes, we are missionaries in Spain, and uh, we love uh, being there and uh, sharing the gospel uh, with Spaniards and people who live there from all over the world. Uh, there's so many great things about Barcelona that we love. Not only is it a beautiful city with tons of history and more than about 5 million people live there. Can you imagine that? 5 million people. Uh, but we, we got to eat some really good food. One of my favorite things to eat is squid. Have you ever had squid before? It's so good. So good. <laughs> but for real, we got to work uh, at an international church, and we loved it. It was awesome. Uh, every single week, we watched God work, not only in the church, but in our neighborhood, through relationships and different connections that we had. Uh, every single Sunday at the church, we, we watched anywhere from 10 to uh, maybe as high as 35 people either recommit their life to Jesus or commit their life to Christ for the very first time. And it was awesome. Saw so many amazing things. Um, we want to tell you one of the things that we got to do in Barcelona. My wife's going to tell you a little bit about that. One of the things that we got to do in Barcelona was celebrate a lot because in Spain there are so many different holidays yes. that you've never heard of before. There's one at least a month that they take off of school for, close the banks for, and celebrate. But the biggest one that they celebrate is San Jordi. And so um, it is this holiday that has a tradition where there is a dragon that comes into a town and just starts eating all of their livestock. And, and the, the townspeople, they strike a deal with him where they're going to start feeding people to him. And, and so they draw lots and, and they, um, it, the lots fall one day to the princess. And so the princess is going and on her way, San Jordi comes in and saves the day. And there's a little bit more to that story. But what, on the day, that day in Barcelona, the biggest street in Barcelona is just packed filled with booths that are selling books and flowers for the holiday. And so we were down there and we were handing out bookmarks. And the bookmarks are really nice. They have, they have some 
encouraging words on them. It have the stamp of the church on them, but it doesn't really have the gospel presentation. And I said to our pastor, wouldn't it be cool if someone wrote a book and it connected San Jordi to the gospel? And he said, it would be so cool. Why don't you do it? And I was like, I don't write books. Um, but I prayed about it. And guess what? I do write books, I guess. Um, and so this is a story of this, the tale of San Jordi, and then it's connected to the gospel. And God entrusted me with this project, and so I worked hard at getting the scripts just right, talked to a lot of Catalans and a lot of um, Spanish people to kind of get their input and, and to make it in simple enough terms to uh, for someone who's never heard the gospel before to understand. And then we had it translated into Spanish and Catalan, which is the the language of the region of Barcelona. And so this um, was really a project, a fun project. I got to illustrate some of it um, along with our daughter here in the States. She helped us, helped us and then um, some other friends. Really, it was an international project. And so I'm really excited how God used this. Um, we were able to distribute it, um, not quite as much as we had planned because of uh, COVID, but um, it will go forth in the next, in the coming years. And I was also to, able to make a few videos of it too in each of the languages. And so we're just really thankful that God um, put this on my heart and that um, we were able to see it through um, to completion. Yeah, and if you want to check out those videos on YouTube, uh, you can do so by just typing in Heather and a greater love, Heather McKinstry, a greater love. And those should pop up. You can find them in Spanish, English, and Catalan yes. if you know Catalan. <laughs> so check those out and uh, you'll find out a little bit more about Spanish culture and you'll hear how we wove the gospel into one of their most very famous legends. So when we go back next year, we're going to be heading to a city called Malaga, Spain, way in the far south. And uh, we are excited to be going there and leading a team of people missionaries, local leaders, to plant a brand new international church uh, right in the heart of the city. It's a major city, uh, over a million people in the surrounding area in Central City. So pray with us, believe with us. We thank you for doing that. We love you guys. Uh, thank you guys just for listening, hearing our hearts. And I know you'll be praying for Malaga, praying for the McKinstries. God bless you. Wow, Mark and Heather, thank you so much for sharing your hospitality with me. I've really enjoyed hanging with you guys. And this is such a great city. Barcelona is amazing. Thank you for hearing from God and responding to Him. And I know that you're going to have all the things you need to accomplish all the things God's called you to do. We're going to be praying for you. And, and, and all you people at Hillside, hey, this is important. We need to be given to missions. This is how we help people, help the people that are called to go to specific places around the world and share the gospel with them. We want people to get saved right here in Barcelona, Spain. So, hey, if you're not giving to missions yet or you'd like to give more, you just give it to hillsideassembly.org, mark in the memo missions, and we're going to support all of our ministry partners. I'm glad that I could hang out with you today. And I'm going to go hang out with Mark and Heather a little bit longer, and then I'm off to my next destination. So, adios, friends. We'll see you next week. Bye. I'm glad we've got ministry partners, aren't you? That are doing a great job with the gospel. As our worship team comes, they're going to open us up with a song. I want to pray specifically for our ministry partners this morning. If you'd stand to your feet. Um, several of our ministry partners in parts of Europe uh, are dealing with some very difficult situations this morning. Uh, there's some threats of some war uh, and some civil war this morning that's, that's kind of brewing in a couple areas. 
And we want to pray this morning for the McKinstries, but also for those missionaries that find themselves in very difficult situations uh, working with the people there. None of our missionaries have asked to come home. They're all right on the front lines uh, in these very precarious situations because they realize this is what they're there for. And so this morning, we can partner with them in our prayers, uh, and we can see God do great things. Amen? Amen. Let's do that this morning. Lord, we thank you, God, to be in this house today, your house, to gather together and to worship you as one body. But Lord, we're not all here in this place. We realize that we've got people online watching from all over the place today. But Lord, we also have many ministry partners that are doing ministry other sister churches that are doing ministry this morning. God, it's not just about what you're doing here. It's about what you're doing everywhere. Bringing the gospel message to the people who need it the most. Lord, this morning we pray for the McKinstries, the God, that you would bless them in this new endeavor, launching a brand new multicultural church. Lord, how exciting that will be to see that as it just begins here in the coming months. What an awesome adventure you have them on. We pray a blessing over them both, that God, you would move in their lives and their ministry and their ministry teams in powerful ways. Lord, this morning we realize some of our ministry partners are in some very uneasy situations with the threat of war and civil war, issues of invading uh, countries possibly coming in and, and all this fear that's filling these countries right now. Lord, they need guidance and they need hope. And you have people that have been pinpointed for such a time as this to bring real hope, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. A God who does miracles in the midst of hard times. Lord, this morning in several countries, there are people who feel trapped, feel like they're in a pit with lions, who feel like they're in a fiery furnace. But Lord, the gospel tells us that you're not afraid of those things. And when your people find themselves in those situations, you are with them. So Lord, we pray for miracles to take place in these places that are challenging and frustrating and hard this morning. We pray for our ministry partners to lead in ways that they've never led before, with boldness and confidence, not in themselves, but confidence in you, Jesus. Lord, as we open up our service this morning with a worship song, is that primes our heart to hear your word. God, we lay down the frustrations of this week. We lay down the things we might have to deal with after the service. Because right now, it's all about you. And Jesus, you can change everything. We invite you into this place, Jesus, to move among your people, to do all that you want to do. And God's people said, let's worship the Lord together. Adrian, would you lead us? Well, it's definitely an exciting time for me to finally be up here and see everybody in here at the same time. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, in John 14, 6, Jesus is talking and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we're going to celebrate that Jesus is that one way that we have salvation in life. at his feet. I lay my life down at your feet. You're the only one I need. I turn to you and you are always there. In troubled times it's you I see. 
thankful for one way in Jesus. Woo, come on. You can be seated this morning. We're going to preach the word. We're going to come back and have a great time of worship at the end of service to reflect on the things God's speaking to us. Adrian, great job this morning. Looking forward to the rest of worship time. We're in a series called Just Like Jesus because we want to do life and ministry just like Jesus. Oh man, some people have been paying attention. Awesome. So we're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 10. Today's message is titled this, Don't Leave Jesus Worse Than When You Came to Him. Because here's the thing, how many people's lives have been changed by Jesus in this place? And it shouldn't just be a one-time thing. Our lives should be continually being changed by Jesus Christ as we grow as disciples of Him. Our lives should be being renewed. But the case is, is that not everyone has that experience. And this morning, if you've been struggling with seeing the transformation of God in your life the way that you'd like to, maybe we can find some things in the scripture that we're looking at today. 
We're in the book of Mark. We're in chapter 10, and we're going to be in verse 17 today. I'm going to read through this, and I'll add a couple things to the scriptures here just to make some explanation of things as we go through. So Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked. So he's bowing down to Jesus. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Man, that's when ministry's at the sweetest place, let me tell you. When the people are coming up to us and going, how do I get saved? Right? right? So let's keep praying because, hey, I'll take those. Verse 18. Uh, I'm sorry, verse, uh, we were in 17. Good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Verse 18, Jesus is responding, why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your father and mother, teach teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Now I want to say this. The scripture says that Jesus felt genuine love for him. Jesus did not have this love because of the things he had done. He saw the heart of a man. He saw the person standing before him. And that's who he loved. And he desperately wanted to see this man's life transformed for the kingdom. So he loves this man. Verse 21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Let me bring a little explanation to this. When we talk about the eye of a needle, Jesus is saying it's, it's easier for, it's very hard. It'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to be saved. He's not specifically talking about a needle and thread. In Jerusalem, there were gates, and one of the gates was called the eye of the needle. This is not the main gate, it's a sub-gate that would be opened after the main gate is closed in the evening. It's a short door, and it's a very thin gate. And so a camel could get through it, but you had to unload everything off of the camel, and the camel had to kneel down almost to get through this gate. So it is possible, right? But it's very difficult. And then think about it, if you were a trader, right, you're bringing your goods into Jerusalem, You've now had to unload all this stuff off your camel. Bring the camel through. It's this whole rigmarole. You now have to go back out, lug all the stuff that the camel was carrying inside, put the stuff back on the camel. So it's a long, tedious process. Verse 26, the disciples were astonished. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible but not with God. Everything is possible with God. You can say amen to that. Amen. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up a house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake, for the good news, will receive now in return, a hundred times as many houses, 
brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property among, uh, along with persecution. And the world to come that the person will have eternal life, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. This is an interesting passage of Scripture, a lot of stuff here for us to look at this morning. But I want to focus in on this man who came to Jesus looking for something and went away sad. Of all the people who ever came to the feet of Jesus in the gospel, this man might be the only one who went away worse than when he came. His heart harder than when he first came into contact with Jesus. And yet he had so much going for him. I mean, he was a young man, right? Full of potential, right? Some of us are getting older. Remember when you were younger and you could just run and go and go and go? Nick, Adrian, Hannah, I'm thinking of you guys. And we're so grateful that you're here and a part of God's work here because we all get tired a lot quicker than you guys do. But this young man was respected by others. He probably held some type of ruling office. Certainly he had manners and morals. And there was enough of a desire in his heart for spiritual things that he showed up and bowed down at the feet of Jesus. So there was some spiritual hunger there. In every way, this, this is the ideal young man. And we know this, Jesus loved him just like Jesus loves you. With all these fine qualities, the young man was very superficial in some of his views of spiritual things. He certainly had a shallow view of salvation, for he thought he could do something to earn the merit of eternal life. And this was common belief in the day of Jesus, and it's still a common view today. Most unsaved people think that God will one day add up all their good works and all of their bad things, and if the good works outweigh the bad, then hey, destined for heaven. But that's not the way it works. So let's begin to examine some of the heart issues and mind issues that this young man was dealing with and see if they apply to our life. And if they do, let's get them fixed. And let's have a great experience with Jesus. The first one is this, a superficial view of sin. Behind all of this man's good works, his approach to salvation was superficial and definitely a superficial view of sin. And what is sin? Sin's rebellion against God. But too often, we, we, we make sin all about an action, a deed, something that we've physically done. But sin isn't simply an action. It's an inward attitude that exalts man above God. That is sin in its nutshell. But too often, we worry so much just about appearance, about, about the actions. But any time that you've sinned as an action, there is something internally here and here that's not right, that's causing us to do that action. So too often what we've done as Christians and what we've done as a church, if we said we're dealing with sin on the action level, we never deal with it in the heart level and in the mind. And what's it about in the attitude? Because any time that we exalt our flesh and our own will above God's will, we've sinned. Yet, I don't think we ever really look at it that way. 
We've got a checklist of all the things. And this guy had the checklist, right? He's like, hey, I haven't done this. I haven't done this. I haven't done this. I've done this and this and this. And we go through all the checklists of the actions. What about this? Just where's our attitude at? Where's our mind really at? Are we really seeing sin for what it is? This young man actually kind of thought that if he just had these, these, this checklist and if he checked all these things out, that his account would be cleared with the holy God that he stood before. I got it. If I just, if I just hit all the checklists, what, that's the whole great news of the gospel. It's about a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and go, look, there are things inside of you that aren't right, but that I want to make right. This is the, how, how important it is for us to daily be praying and communicating and praising God to allow the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to bring conviction in our life and to be able to go, hey, you're not thinking right about this. Your response to these issues, you're not, you're not responding the way that I want you to. Your view on this is skewed. You're seeing it from your perspective and not from my perspective. So let's not have a superficial view of sin. This young man's second thing was he had a superficial view of Jesus. The young man had a superficial view of Jesus Christ. He called him good master, teacher. But we get the impression that he was trying to do this to flatter Jesus. Because in the Jewish culture, rabbis did not allow you to call them good. Teachers did not allow you to call them good. Because this was applied only to God. God was good, and the word must be reserved for him alone. And Jesus, at this point, isn't denying that he's God. Rather, he's affirming it with what he's saying. He just wanted to make sure that this young man, do you really know what you're saying? Are you just saying that I'm good to flatter me, to get me on your side? Or do you truly understand who stands before you in this moment? that God himself stands before you. Do you understand that? Church, do you understand this morning in this place that the king is here? That he's in our presence? Do you realize when you go to work, when you go to school on your campus, when you communicate in your neighborhood, when you go about prayer and praise, Miles, that the king is with you? You're in the presence of the king everywhere we go. These vessels are the temple of his spirit. He goes with us everywhere we go, every relationship that we have. Do you understand that? Do we even acknowledge it? Jesus also brings about this whole thing with the law. He starts kind of connecting the, this man to the law. This explains why Jesus pointed, at it, pointed this out, right? He, he wanted him to see himself as a sinner bowed down before a holy God. You can't be saved from sin by keeping the law, the laws of Moses, the laws of the Old Testament. The law is meant to be a mirror that shows us how dirty and messed up we are, that we could never possibly meet the requirements of the laws of Moses. We fall short of it. But see, a law, the law of, of the Old Testament can bring somebody to Christ just like it brought this man. 
but the law cannot save you. Only grace, the grace of Jesus Christ can save us. This guy was looking for a quick fix. Just give me what I need. Just give me the item that I need to get saved. Just give me, the, give me the one more box on my checklist that I need to get saved. Give me something I can do to earn my salvation. You can't earn it. It's a gift that's freely given. The final thing that this young man had a superficial view of was himself. This young ruler did not see himself as a condemned sinner before a holy God. He had a superficial view of the law of God. He measured obedience by external actions and not inward attitudes. As far as his actions were concerned, he was blameless, and that's how he saw himself. I am a good Christian person. I'm a good person. How many times I've heard people say, but I'm just a, I'm a good Christian. Why is this happening to me? But his inward attitudes were not blameless because he was covetous. He had kept all of these commandments, and yet it's the last commandment that caught him out. Thou shalt not covet. The definition of it is this, to yearn, to possess, or to have something. Covet, covetousness, and I'm not even sure if that's a real word, but if it's not, we just made it up. Covetousness is a terrible sin. It's subtle, and it's difficult to detect in our lives. And yet, this one sin can cause you to break all the other nine commandments your desire to have something. The Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Looking at this young man, you would conclude that he had everything, but Jesus said the one thing you're lacking is a living faith in God. Money was his God. It's what he trusted. It's what he worshiped. It's what he got his fulfillment and purpose from. His morality and good manners only concealed the fact that he had a covetous heart. Think about that for a moment. Our Lord's direction in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, are not to be applied to everyone here. Go and sell everything that you've got, give it to the poor, and let's have church next week. That is not what Jesus is necessarily telling you to do. This was spoken directly to this man because it was the thing holding him back from experiencing the relationship with God that he could have had because money sat on the throne of his heart. There was no room for Jesus to sit there. It was his wealth that was keeping him from putting God on the throne. The man was rich, so Jesus told him to liquidate his estate, to give the money to the poor. The man was a ruler, so Jesus told him to take up a cross and follow him which this was a humbling experience and one that he was not willing to take. Jesus offered this man a gift of eternal life, but he turned it down. It's difficult sometimes to receive the gift that God has for us, especially when our hands are clenched around something, and for this man it was clenched around his money. He had no room to accept a gift from Christ because his hands were too full of something else. This morning, church, what are your hands full of? What are your hands full of this morning? What are they full of? Is it money? Is it anger? Is it, is it greed? Is it covetousness? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it sex or drugs 
or alcohol? Is it, is it the need to control things in your life? You've got to control everything and control every relationship and you're clinging so tight to it, grabbing it so firm that there is no room to receive what God has for you. Maybe it's loss and pain. Maybe you've grabbed a hold so tightly to loss and pain in your life. There's no room to let go and experience God's healing. What are you holding on to this morning? This man tried to negotiate his way into the kingdom. He tried to cut a deal with Jesus. And I want to ask you this morning, are you trying to deal with Jesus on your terms? Or are you dealing with Jesus on his terms? Because let's be clear, there is no negotiation. There is no negotiation. Jesus is king. There is one way to heaven, and it's Jesus. We don't get to negotiate. But I want to tell you, our loving God is so merciful and gracious. He looks at us and goes, there's no need to negotiate, guys. My way is the right way. My way is full of blessings for you. The things that you're thinking, you're trying to negotiate to say, well, I'll come to you, Lord. I'll do these things only if you do this. You're holding back bigger blessings from yourself and people around you. When we try to negotiate and tell God, you got to do it my way. We're robbing ourselves and we're robbing others of a blessing. When you look at this passage of Scripture, and you take it into context, and you go, yeah, this is great. The rich, the rich person. This was a deal for the rich people. But don't be so quick to throw this message off and say it's for somebody else and not for you this morning. Because let's really look at it. Let's talk about the average wealth right here in this room today. Do you know that America, the average wealth of Americans, or what they make in a year, is just shy of $70,000, the average so there are people that make more and there are people who make less. The average is 70000 But let's put that in context around the globe this morning. The average person in Europe makes just shy of $25,000 a year. The average person in China makes just over $20,000 a year. But 71% of the people on the planet make less than $10,000 a year on average. 71% of people around the world make less than $10,000. If that's the average, there are people making nothing. Almost three-fourths of the planet looks at us in this room and they think of us as millionaires. We might as well be. We might as well be in their eyes. Money is a marvelous servant, but a terrible master, church. If you possess money, be grateful and use it for God's glory. But if money possesses you, beware. It's good to have things that money can buy, provided you don't lose the things that money cannot. You cannot buy your way into heaven. And as your pastor, I want you to know something. You can't buy my ministry. It's not for sale. I believe in tithing, and we're going to talk about that for just a moment. But I want to share with you something. I have no idea who gives in this church. I don't know. We have a bookkeeper. That's her job. And I've told her, I never want to know. Who gives what? Who's giving? Who doesn't? Who gives to missions? Who doesn't? I don't want to know. Unless it's something that we need, we need 
for some type of, of purpose I have to know. Otherwise, I don't want to. Because my ministry is not for sale. And it will never be for sale. You get who I am, and you get the kingdom of God the way it is, we're not guided by finances. We're by, guided by the word of God. And everybody gets treated equally. Because that's the way the kingdom of God functions. We see Peter having this issue afterwards. Because Peter's, Peter's got a response here. He's like, oh, wait a minute. We've given so much. And it's, it's almost the superficial view of, of, of Peter's life for a moment. Peter's response indicates that there were a few problems in his own heart. What then will there be for us? What about us, God? We've given so much. We've given everything up to follow you. This statement reveals a rather commercial view of Christian life, and it's not how we should be looking at things. God will take care of you. He does. We've given up everything to follow the Lord. Now what will we get in return? This totally... It comes in conflict with Peter's words that we find later on in his testimony in the book of Acts chapter 3. He seems to go from, what will I get out of this, to, what do I have to give? What do I have to give? See the heart difference? What can I get out of a relationship with Jesus? We see someone who's over the years now is beginning to mature in God, and he goes, what do I have to give to the kingdom? Where can I give? Where can I be a blessing? And I want to tell you this. We've got to learn as God's people to invest in the kingdom of God. And I'm going to challenge you this morning to give to God. I believe sometimes the reason there is a disconnect in, in our relationship with God, why some people walk away from God and his kingdom, why some people will come to church and they never get changed or transformed is because there's no investment in the kingdom. It's all about what can I take? What can I give? I want, I just, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And if you never give something back out of you, there's nothing to be filled. Your bottle's already full. That's why there's no transformation. There's no flow in your life. Matthew 6, 21 says this, for where your, teach, or where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Tithing is awesome because tithing gives us an opportunity to invest in God's kingdom. If I'm going to be serious about the things of God, this has to be connected to the kingdom of God. And I'm happy to give. I want to give. I want to invest because I believe in the mission. Jesus changes lives. I want to be a part of that. So let's tithe. But not just with our wallet. What if we began to tithe of our time? See, I, tithe is this. It's not like, well, I'm going to take out the money for taxes and take out my money for rent, and then I'll give 10% of what's left. No, no. Right off the top, the whole kit and caboodle. I want God to bless everything, including the money I'm giving in taxes. My country needs a blessing. So I'm going to tithe off the whole kit and caboodle. I know that some of you like, oh, I don't know about that. Come on, how big is God? I'm tired of putting God in a little teeny box and saying, this is how you got to operate. God wants to cut loose. Jesus came loose of the grave. So you know what? I'm loosening up my wallet for the kingdom of God. 
I want opportunities to give. I want to give in missions. I want to tithe. And you know what? I want to be a generous giver in life. So when the Holy Spirit goes, I want you to buy lunch for the person in back of you at the restaurant, I want to be able to be obedient and do it. When God says, open up your checkbook, and, and I, I need you to go write a check for somebody today, I'm just going to go do it. Now, to do that, you also have to have your finances in order. So let's be responsible. But what if we started tithing of our time? What if we said, God, I want to invest 10% of my time in, in kingdom work? And that's just not serving in the church. I know everybody's like, where can I serve in the church? And yes, we have opportunities to serve in the church. But Jesus might want you to serve in our community for the kingdom. Because there are people out there that need to see a representation of what a Christian really looks like. So what if we just prayed, Lord, where, where can I tithe my time this week? Who are you calling me to invest in? Maybe it's as simple as mowing your neighbor's yard. Maybe that's what God would ask you to do. I don't know. I'm not God. I'm not going to put words in his mouth. If you pray, he'll speak to you. So think about what we can begin to do if we start putting things in the right order. Because here's what begins to happen. If I tithe 10% of this, and I tithe 10% of my time, what I'm going to find is I'm going to find a desire to want to start getting down on these knees and praying because I'm invested in the kingdom of God. I want to see it be fruitful. I want to see my investment be fruitful in the kingdom. So it's going to help me have a desire to pray. And so if we're tithing of our wallet, we're tithing of our time, we're now praying to God, guess what begins to happen? I become motivated and excited to actually get these feet moving and sharing people about the kingdom of God because I'm invested in the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen this morning. Come on. We should be excited. This is church. We don't sit here and be like, oh, great, I checked my checklist, go home and have dinner. Come on, we're the church. Jesus came out of the grave. We should be excited about what Jesus is doing in people's lives. We show a Jeb World Missions Tour, we ought to be going bananas that we got an opportunity to support somebody who's doing something for Jesus. I'm sorry, it's been a week where I've just, nobody came by the office. I just got to get it all out. I'm excited about what Jesus is doing. And I love some of you are doing for the kingdom of God. We talked earlier about young people. I want to give you the polar opposite of this young man we read about in Scripture. I'm going to ask Adrian Granados to come back up here this morning. Worship team, if you come get ready, because as soon as we're done here, we're going to go into worship. Adrian, I, I just want you to come up here. We're just going to have a conversation really quick. Do you love this guy? Yeah. Come on, man. He is serving the kingdom of God like so many other of our young people here. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to give Nick an opportunity to come share because he's getting ready to go to Japan. So exciting stuff there. But Adrian, um, man, it's been a crazy year because we've done church in the snow <laughs> and in the rain and outside, all this crazy stuff. And you've been there serving the whole time. You've taken this last semester, um, you're graduated, but you took this semester for, the, for college and You've been serving on the college campus. Tell us just a little bit about that, what that experience has been like. Yeah, so I've been interning under uh, Luke Hatfield and Manny Kimes. Um, and so we have some of the college students here who are part of that. Uh, Michaela and Hannah are both student leaders right now. And what I've been doing with my internship is I've been leading worship almost every week 
So really growing in how to sing and play a piano and do all that sort of stuff, not only in front of people, but how to lead people um, so that they can follow along. I've been doing a couple one-on-one -on -one meetings, going over a book of the Bible and a book on boundaries. Um, I've led the message a couple of times. So that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And like I've given presentations in college that were 20 minutes long, but like when you're doing 30 minutes alone in front of a bunch of people, it's a whole lot different. But I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Um, so I'm doing a lot of things I've never done before. Well, that's awesome. Adrian, I love, I love the scene. Come on, we can clap for that. I love seeing what God's doing in your heart and the, the transformation that's taken place. I, I think at some point this next year, God willing, I'd love to see you preach a message here at Hillside because uh, you'll become a, a very good communicator. And so would you guys like to have that happen? Come on. That's awesome. We develop people here for ministry. And um, Adrian, but something that, that I know you're getting married this summer. That's a big deal. We're going to celebrate that with you guys. Uh, to this lovely lady over here, you chose well, bud. Um, so... But you have something coming up, too, that's going to happen May through August, and uh, you've just decided to give something to Jesus. You're going to definitely tie to your time. You want to share just what, what God's led you to do uh, this summer? Yeah, so the, the organization is called YouthWorks, and if any of you know what the Peace Corps is, uh, that's uh, a secular institution, but it's serving people anywhere around the world, and you pretty much sign up and get sent somewhere. You don't know where. So it's that sort of idea uh, where it's like a summer-long mission trip sort of thing. I still don't know where I'm going, and I'm leaving in May. So I should be finding out in this next week, I hope. But I guess it really doesn't matter where I'm going, because I just pack clothes. I'll be wearing shorts wherever I am. So if it's hotter or colder, it won't really matter. But it will be in the United States. Oh, well, that's good. I was going to say, if you go to Siberia, I can't wait to see the pictures of that. It would have been but. cool to go to Puerto Rico or something, but because of COVID, it's just the U.S. And anyway, what happens is um, four leaders are at each site. So, you know, it could be somewhere like Chicago or it could be a Native American reservation, something like that. And there'll be four leaders. And every week, a group of around 50 high schoolers, middle schoolers comes, serves in the community for a week, leaves, and like the day or two after that, another group will come in. And so these groups are church groups coming for one-week mission trips. Um, and so I will be there to help facilitate as these groups are coming in. And I'm kind of like the youth group leader. So I'll be doing like devotionals in the morning. I'll be having us do group conversations at night talking about what we learned. Uh, and I'm also in charge of the adventures. So if we do like community things, I get to lead that, whatever that be. I'm not sure yet. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, bro, brother, I'm just going to tell you from a lot of years that I served as a youth pastor, just pray because <laughs> there will be unexpected things that will happen every day. God's got your back. You're going to do a great job with this. We're excited about the opportunity. Let's give God just a round of applause this morning. We're going to get ready to go back to worship. Um, we'll share with you when we know where Adrian's going. We'll let you know so you can be praying. Yes, we can. I would love to do that. I, I want to do this too. I, I, I don't want to ever pass up an opportunity for salvation. This morning, whether you're here, you're watching online, you're watching later, um, no matter if you live in Ripon or surrounding communities, you're halfway across the globe. 
if you're going, I, like this rich young man, I'm looking for something. I've got a need, but I, I'm, I'm, I just, there's an emptiness. We want to give you an opportunity for salvation today because Jesus came and died for you. He died for me, died for Adrian, died for every person here in our audience today. We want to give an opportunity for you to connect with Christ. So we're going to pray for that, and then we're going to pray for Adrian. If you find yourself today, and you're just like, I realize I'm broken, and I need to be fixed, you need Jesus. So let's pray together. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. I'm in need of a Savior. Jesus, there's nothing that I can do to make myself right. I can't I can change all the external, I can have the checklist, but that still doesn't change inside. For that, I need the grace that only Jesus can apply. So I'm taking a leap of faith, and I'm, I'm praying this morning. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, that you rose again, and that you are calling me into a relationship. So Lord, I accept that gift this morning. I let go of the things in my hands that are holding me back and I grab a hold of Jesus today. Lord, come into my life, change and transform me. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to pray for Adrian as well. Would you stand to your feet? Stretch out a hand this morning. And Hannah, you want to come over? You guys are a team. Hannah will be here while you're off gallivanting across the country. Hannah will be here serving as our office administrator this summer. But you guys are a powerful couple. God's going to do something great. I can't wait for your wedding in August, guys. Uh, God's going to do great things. Lord, we thank you for the commitment, God, that Adrian has made to you to tithe of his time, to give of himself, Lord, for this season. And God, I believe that you will honor that in great and tremendous ways. Lord, we pray for the young people and youth leaders that will come and serve in these different communities that God, Adrian, will have an opportunity to invest in their life. Lord, I pray a mantle would be placed upon him, not one that man can put on him, but only you can put on him. Lord, the opportunity to learn so much about relationships and interactions and ministry this summer. God, wherever you have him, I believe that you already know. I know that you already know. The surprise is for him and for us and everyone else, but God, you know, you've got the perfect place with the perfect people that he's meant to minister to. Or when he's up against the ropes and dealing with difficult students or difficult leaders or difficult people in the community, that your grace would be upon him, that your spirit would speak through him. You give him guidance. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray this. Lord, bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to sing a song with you before I cut loose Adrian just to go bananas with worship. To sing this song together. To think about the, the message that we've, we've heard this morning. This young man had issues where he wasn't viewing things correctly. And maybe this morning the Holy Spirit would speak to you and say, there's some areas in your life that aren't, aren't, you don't have the right view, the point of view here. And maybe it's hindering you from experiencing everything that you could experience with the king. Maybe your hands are too tightly wrapped around something and this morning the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and say, let it go and lift your hands to accept what I want to do in your life. How I want to bless you. Where I want to take you. What I want to do. Because God's plans are bigger than ours. 
So let's sing this song together. Jesus, lover of my soul, Jesus, I will never let you go. Take me from the miry clay, set my feet upon the rock, and now I know. our heart. Lord, as we go into a time of worship to reflect before we close out this worship experience, Lord, we see the things that this young man had the wrong perspective on, the wrong perspective on sin. God, so much of our our mental capacity when we think about sin is wrapped up in actions, but Lord, it really comes back to attitudes. And this morning, through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you show us the attitudes of sin that are in our life? Things that are deep down, that there are roots that are maybe poisoning things in our life and poisoning our view of what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. Lord, we pray for the conviction of your Holy Spirit that we're going to take this seriously. What needs to change in our life, you can change. Lord, we see that this man had the wrong view of you as the Savior. And Lord, too often we we pray in the morning when we get up really quickly or we pray over a meal and we go about our day not realizing that the King of Kings walks with us and is a part of our life every single day. You're there with us. Lord, help us to have the right view that Jesus is with us in all that we do. The Holy Spirit is with us in everything that we endeavor to do. 
that you never leave us, you never abandon us. Help us to have that view, God, of who you are and that you're with us all the time. Lord, sometimes it's the view of ourself that gets in the way. Sometimes we think of ourselves far too highly than we ought. And sometimes we think of ourselves way too lowly than we ought. We are sinners before a mighty, benevolent God. That is true. But Lord, when we accept you as our King and we strive to walk after you and we become your disciples, you call us heirs of the kingdom. You call us family. We should not be belittling ourselves. You love that person that we see when we look in the mirror. Help us to have the right view of ourselves, God. And Lord, not all of us are called to go spend three months with youth works, but all of us are called to serve the King. As disciples of Christ, we're called to tithe. As disciples of Christ, we're called to invest in missions. And Lord, if we've got too strong a grip on our pocketbook today, Lord, help us. Sometimes we may have said to ourselves, I can't afford to tithe. Lord, we can't afford not to invest in your kingdom. Lord, I want our finances to be blessed as the people of God. That there are resources here for us to be a blessing to the people who need it in our life, that we do life with, that we rub shoulders with. That, Lord, as we invest as a church and we step out in faith in new and exciting endeavors in the years to come, the resource will be there if we're faithful to give in your kingdom. Lord, we pray to tithe of our time. Speak to us about who we can invest in, who we can, who we can love on and encourage this week, places where we might be able to serve, not just on this campus or in this building, but God, in our communities, where we can represent your kingdom to those who need to see the light. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give today, and we thank you for the opportunity to gather as one people in one place at one time to lift the name of Jesus high. Lord, as we close in worship today, as we reflect on this message before we leave, Lord, may we leave this place better than when we walk through the door. Change us, transform us, and may we give you everything in this time of worship. We give you praise, glory, and honor. Adrian, worship team, take us to the throne. So Pastor, talk to us about giving and how that's one of the things that we can do to set our hearts right. Uh, so in this next song that we're going to do, the giving that we're doing is glorifying God. And the bridge reminds us that no matter what it is that we give, I'll, I'll read it here. It says, such a tiny offering compared to Calvary. Nevertheless, we lay it at your feet. And so no matter what it is, we got to keep it in perspective that it's truly never enough unless it's our heart. And in our second song that we're going to be singing, we're going to continue that theme about giving everything to God.
give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for all that you've given to us, what you gave on the cross, what you gave just merely the fact of becoming human, and what you still give to us every day. I pray that you would help us to have a heart that allows us to give back to you, God, whether that be our money, our time, our love, anything else. May we give it with the right heart, May we give it with a heart of worship. So help us this week. Uh, help us to remember you in the things that we do and that whatever we do, whether it's eating or drinking or working or whatever it is, that we would honor you with it. In Jesus' name, amen.